this week on the Back Table Podcast. I think every case should be an A0 ablation. Like really shouldn't do any ablation unless you're going to be able to get the whole thing when you're trying to do these curative type procedures or these procedures where you're trying to remove tumor versus palliation. So if your goal is to get it all the first time, you really have to get margins. In order to get margins, you have to look at them. And so for me, the availability of AC has allowed me to look at my margins and look at my treatment effect real time in the room while they're still asleep and to be able to provide a more complete treatment the first time. I mean, I don't think I had a really high recurrence rate before, but every ablation looks good at three months, sure. you know, but when you follow them long term, that's when you're really going to pick them up. And I think that since I've started using this, my recurrence rate has been very low. Even when I did, I've been able to say, hey, look, we got the margin there. We did everything we could to do this the best way we knew how to do it. And so it's given me more confidence in ablation. It's made me actually faster in the end because I've been able to adjust the way I do things because of the kind of experience I've gotten from looking at my zones. It's made me better at doing the procedure, knowing what I know from that information. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Backtable Podcast. If you're a new listener, welcome. For all of our regular listeners, welcome back and thank you for listening. You can find all previous episodes of the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or our website, which is backtable.com. Very easy to remember. Subscribe to the show, leave us a review, or reach out to us on social media. Now, a quick word from our sponsor. New Wave Microwave Ablation System is the U.S. market-leading microwave ablation technology and is the trusted choice used by the majority of the top 100 liver transplant centers and the top 100 cancer centers. The New Wave Ablation System offers probes with distal energy control, multi-probe synchrony, tissue lock technology, and intelligent visualization and guidance software, so you can efficiently tailor your ablation zones and confirm nothing is left behind. From simple to complex lesions, the power to tailor your procedure helps you achieve clear margins with greater confidence. Visit www.newwave.com to learn more. Now, back to the episode. All right, Josh, welcome to the Backtable Podcast. We're going to be talking about ablation and uh, specifically new wave microwave ablation. So just back up like one second and will you kind of tell us a little bit about yourself and your current practice? Sure, yeah. Um, originally from uh, from Boston, trained up in, at Brown uh, for fellowship <clears throat> and then came down to Anderson about seven years ago <clears throat> and I've been there since. Um, and a current practice um, is really a mix of IO, vascular procedures, or obviously everyone has cancer, but really a combination of uh, interventional oncology and, and, uh, and uh, vascular procedures. So my initial like, kind of experience with ablation really started at Brown. I trained with Damien Dupuy, and so I spent a lot of time with him, and he was a big early new wave proponent. So I learned a lot from him. Um, things were a lot different then, but then kind of came down here, and there's a lot of people here doing different types of ablation, tried to learn from them, learn what I learned from Damien, and kind of get to my current practice. So that's been a, it's been a great experience, pretty high volume uh, center. Mostly what I do ablation on is liver. Uh, I don't do any renal ablation uh, like as, as of this time, but <clears throat> I'll go back on that. But mostly what I do is liver ablation and lung ablation. And uh, some other folks here do most of the renal ablations. So let me, I've always just had like some questions about like the MD Anderson yeah. uh, practice. Like how many IR guys, or how many IR doctors do you guys have? Ooh, it's 27 right now. I think 27 total. 27? 100% IR. 100% yeah. IR, 27, some physician extenders? Uh, 25 physician extenders. It's a big group. Is yeah. everyone, like, I guess I don't even know the setup of Entity Anderson. Is it like there's the mothership and there's a lot of satellite spots or is it everyone just comes into the, the main campus? 
Most, uh, so we did open some HALs, we call them Houston area locations. Uh -huh. We opened two of those in the last couple of years. And so we have, of our 27 or so, uh, four people are kind of based there. Okay. Uh, but they still rotate at the main house too. So they get like one day a week in main campus and the rest of the time they're, they're out there. And, um, and that's nice because it still feels like one group, you know, it's not like they're a separate group of guys. So, or gals. So, uh, yeah, mostly everyone's on the main campus, uh, doing cases together. Wow. How many rooms? At our inpatient kind of area, it's 11. And then we have an outpatient area at the med center, which is another five. And then the house Houston area each have two more, but we got two new rooms opening next year. And then a whole new building coming up in like four years, which is going to be all of our IO is going to go there. It's going to be like 10 new rooms. It's going to be crazy. Wow. Do you guys have trouble? Like, uh, are you guys struggling to get IR staff to like fill like a spot this big? Or is it like people are clamoring to get in, like to work at MD Anderson? For faculty? Yeah, yeah, no, faculty. For faculty, it's pretty easy. Yeah, oh. faculty, that's um, it's pretty easy to recruit people to. You know, techs and nurses, just like everyone else. Sure. Uh, that's gotten better recently. But I mean, about a year ago, that was that was hard. We lost a huge group of nurses. They had these gigs where they could do traveling of course. for three times as much money. And so a lot of people took off and did that. So that limited us a little bit um, in some ways. But I think we've we've kind of recovered from that. And But staffing-wise for attendees, it's always been pretty easy. Nice. Okay, all right. So now let's talk about your current practice. So, I mean, this may seem like a silly question. You don't exclusively, you're not like exclusively doing ablations. Like, you know, like you handle the, the no. full breadth of IR procedures <laughs> and you just happen to do a lot of liver and lung ablation. Yeah. I mean, how it kind of started, I actually didn't start by doing a lot of ablation. I was mostly doing vascular because that's what I trained on. Sure. Um, but through my relationships with, I kind of got in with a group of oncologists, the GI folks. And so I just kind of started doing their cases and <laughs> learning whatever they needed. So it's not, I definitely don't just do ablation. I probably do, I don't know, four or so liver ablations a week, something around that. Okay. Um, I do three days of cases a week. And so it's kind of mixed. Uh, half my cases are ablation and and half are, are vascular based. Okay. And so, yeah, it's definitely not, there There are areas in our practice where people really focus on certain things mm -hmm. and it makes sense because you have like, you know, my buddy Rahul, he gets a, like has a great relationship with all the GU medical oncologist. And that's a really great way to do it because you can do all the things that that group needs. And if you can't, you can learn it from one of your partners, but it's all based on relationships, whether it's a biopsy, whether it's a thrombectomy, whether it's an ablation, it's all based on these relationships with these providers. And that's kind of how our, um, our section is structured. Okay, nice. So liver and lung, new wave or, or microwave exclusively? No, for liver, microwave exclusively. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't done a liver cryo except for like some, maybe some like extra hepatic nodules that are like right next to the liver. Sure. I, I've done some cryo for those, but really almost exclusively uh, new wave um, and microwave. In the lung, uh, I'm mostly cryo actually. Um, I'm getting more and more experience with microwave, but there's like a, you know, pretty thin strip of, of places where I feel really comfortable with microwave right now, smaller lesions, um, kind of in the center, but not too central, but not too peripheral. Sure. So I'd say maybe like uh, 20% uh, microwave, but that number is definitely changing over time as kind of uh, get more experience with it. It's great how fast it is compared to, to cryo doing, you know, the long triple freeze and, and doing a microwave. It's just a really, really efficient way to treat a small lung nodule. No doubt. So why New Wave? Yeah. Uh, well, New Wave, I think, was probably what I was most familiar with coming out of training. And, it, you know, it was, uh, Damien was an early adopter, so I learned from him, kind of learned my times and my wattages based on that. And then uh, from there, it was the, the best, uh, uh, you know, device available to me, a little bit higher power compared with RF or some of the other microwave devices. 
<clears throat> and then, you know, once they started rolling out the ablation confirmation, it kind of made things really different for me. It was, it was really nice. I like being able to use multiple probes, uh, using three probes or two probes. It's very rare that I do a single probe ablation, even for pretty small lesions now. So I like the idea of using multiple probes. I like the ablation confirmation software. I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit more, but those are two huge things that have made a big difference for me choosing them. I'm not exclusive to them. I definitely have used other other systems. We have the, um, you know, we have other systems available, but it's just much more comfortable for me. It's much more efficient. Uh, I can kind of get what I need to do, larger ablation zones and faster. So all of those things have made it so you actually, preferable for me. So you actually touched on one thing that I wanted to drill down on. So mm. you said it's it's rare for you to use a single probe. So you're almost always, even if it's kind of a smaller lesion, like a one centimeter, or two centimeter lesion, you bracket and then ablate by just posting it on like both ends of the tumor. Yeah. So I think that probably started changing when I started doing AC more because I started realizing how my single probe ablations are really just not as big as you'd like them to be. Right. And you can, you do one for like, really now if it's like seven millimeters, okay. Sure. And I can get it perfect. I'll do it. But like anything over a centimeter, I'd rather just bracket it or at least do a redirect. And that, that came because when I first started using AC and then I'd go back and then I'd have to go back in and start re-ablating and that adds more time, et cetera. So I, it's, it's kind of allowed me to change my practice to be a little bit more aggressive at the front end in terms of coverage. Mm -hmm. And most of the time that means two probes. And I think that's better in a lot of ways uh, or some, one probe with a redirect. And so those are the most common thing, ways I, I do ablation. And so you use uh, uh, an acronym AC. What does that mean for you? Ablation confirmation? Oh, ablation. Uh, yeah, I think it's it's um, ablation confirmation software for New Wave. So uh, they're not the only people that make it, but ablation confirmation was something that wasn't around when I was in training at all. And um, I've, I've really gotten into it in the past year, year and a half. And so I was like, oh, it was kind of like my aha moment that uh, it, was a, it was a real eye-opener to know that, okay, this technology makes a big difference. If I didn't have that, I would have left lesion there. And, that's a, and that was an eye-opener for me. And, and since then, I've really kind of gone head first and tried to improve it, uh, embrace it, get faster with mm -hmm. it. And, and really try to and learn a lot more of the evidence behind it as well. Will you unpack it a little bit? Like, what does it look like from a user perspective? Yeah, so the normal New Wave device has one screen. Mm -hmm. uh, their newer versions have two. So it just looks like a second ablation screen. Your normal one on the left is going to be your power and wattage. On the right, it's just going to be a, a very similar user interface where you go through five steps to bring in scans. And then you do all the tools, uh, use all your tools on that on that screen. So... The first thing you do is you upload your kind of base scan. So I, I usually get a CT scan with contrast, you know, pre-arterial venous, but usually upload the venous phase uh, for every for everyone. I bring it into the system and I use that first tool to define my tumor. And that's pretty fast. So I, I do that while like I'm, I'm marking with the text. Sure. I say, okay, I'm going to do a CT guided whatever while they're hey. prepping. I go over there. And I think initially that, you know, took a couple minutes and now it's like 30 seconds. It's very fast. I use the sphere tool or create tool to really define my tumor. The cool part about that versus like sometimes when that wasn't available, I was using like semen software just to make my own segmentation, mm -hmm. but you can't add margins to that one. So with the new wave device, you can set what margins you want. So for certain things like, hey, I want to get a centimeter margin right. or I only want five millimeter margin. So it shows you the tumor and then it gives you what your margin is. Okay. And then I kind of set it aside at that point and I start placing my probes. And I don't know. There's two different flavors here. There's the cases that you can't see the lesion. I'm sure you, you've of had course, this before. Right. You see it for arterial phase or venous phase, and then 
you start getting your probe anywhere near it and you have no idea where you are, yeah. you know, like a one centimeter lesion. So those, uh, I actually go back to the AC like halfway through and I in upload a scan midway through and the upload's super easy. You just drag it over. Nice. Uh, and that, that is, you're going to show you where your probe is. It's going to fuse your probe image for your pre-image. Okay. So it'll fuse those two images and show you your probe over where that you segmented that tumor. So you can see, oh, perfect. I'm right on trajectory or I got it. Or a lot of times you'll see like, oh, wow, I'm kind, I'm there, but I'm like a little bit on the top left. So like, okay, I'll burn here, pull back and do a redirect. Okay. Right. Or on my next probe, I went a little bit anterior here. So I'll go a little bit posterior on the next one. But it helps to know like, okay, that lesion didn't disappear. I know where it is. I can target it. I can adjust. And uh, you can continue to see it. If you have a lesion you can see really well or using ultrasound, mm -hmm. at that point, I don't really use it on the way. I just kind of place my probes in my normal way, and then I'll confirm it if I'm not sure. So if I place with ultrasound, then I'll do another one of those fusions. Okay, it is where I thought it was. But if you can really see it, sometimes I don't even do the probe placement step. I just skip that, do my ablation, and then go to the ablation confirmation. So, so the third kind of big bond. Oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah. So what I wanted to ask you about the pre-scan. Does the pre-scan have yeah. to be the same day of the procedure or the pre-scan is just like any CT that happens within the last? I've week? only done it with uh, the same day. Okay. So like, Got I it. think you can upload them. There's a method for bringing in PET scans and MRs, but I don't know if you ever tried to use any of these 3D locs and registrations from different days. Mixed results. It's, Mixed results. And it's in a, even if you're off by just a few millimeters, it's a huge difference. So I always do it the same day. And if I can see really well, no contrast, great. I can skip that step. Um, but otherwise, I almost always get a pre-CT scan now. Okay. Yeah, I think it's just much more accurate when you're doing the fusion that to not have that uncertainty. Yeah. And plus, I, I think that, you know, how often are your patients like perfectly supine, arms up? I mean, you know, a lot of times you'll have them in a different position to drop down on the lesion or open up something. Um, yeah. All right. So... You were staying, I think, like you were on step three of ablation or like one other yeah. way you use ablation confirmation. Yeah. So step three is, you know, the first one, obviously, define tumor, mm -hmm. place your probes. Third one is actually confirm you got the ablation. So that's uh, the meat and potatoes of it. So I usually do attract ablation for my, my mm -hmm. cases, take my probes all the way out if I'm in plane. But sometimes if I'm doing like a really steep out of plane, I had to come from really low to get up to a dome lesion. You can actually kind of keep some of your probe in the liver and it won't distort your ablation confirmation software too much, uh, or not your software, but your images. So I'll either take the probe all the way out or get it out of my field of view okay. so I can have a clean CT of my tumor bed. Uh, and then I'll do another scan, and that's arterial venous, uh, pre-arterial venous. You're looking for bleeding arterial, very rare. But in the venous phase, that's when you're going to upload that to AC. So you go back to step three, which is bring that scan over, and you drag it over, and now the computer is going to merge those two. So it's going to take your scan and the pre-scan and merge them. So that what you do right before that is you just define your ablation zone. It has a really cool feature. Uh, it's called a create tool. So it kind of uses Hounsfield units and a little computer algorithm to figure out what your ablation zone is. Mm -hmm. And it's very accurate uh, where it's not perfect. And sometimes if you have like multiple probes or redirects and it's not a great shape, you can just kind of use one of those ROI functions to carve it a little bit. But um, I don't know, perfect is the enemy of good here. I want to have a nice ablation zone, but it, I don't want to add 20 minutes to my case either. So the create function does a really good job just kind of t giving you what you need. And then you ask the computer to fuse it, and that's the that's the, mu the magic of it. It fuses those two, and then you get a scan overlaying your segmented tumor with your margin and your ablation zone. So you get to see, did I get it? Did I get my tumor? Did I get my ablation zone? And did I get my margin? 
and, and that's it. I mean, you can then know for sure that you got what you came to get. And, uh, and, and if you're not, then you can kind of make a mark there and use that to target and kind of do a reablation. But most of the time, uh, having used it for a while, I have pretty good results of getting it the first time. But if not, I go back in, no problem. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that was my question. So if you have something, say you left over a little bit of tumor on the inferior margin, things are distorted now, like the, the ablation zone is kind of contracted, but you can use the ablation confirmation software to say, okay, this is where like the bottom part of the lesion is, or like, do you then use the ablation confirmation software to get back at that spot? Or do you just kind of use the CT landmarks that you already have like kind of formed from the ablation zone? So this version of AC, you don't use them to target. Okay. But what I do is I'll go to the same slice, be like, okay, at this slice, which you can correlate over to your, you know, image acquisition machine, whatever it is, and say, okay, the lesion was here. This is where I left margin. Okay, and I put an ROI at that spot on that slice, and I go back in. Okay. So that's something that's different. But if you were a family member getting ablation, and you knew you still had margin left, you'd obviously want them to go back in. They're already in procedure. They already made the trip there. They're already getting it on the table. It's it's like a surgeon doing a procedure, checking the margin with pathology, be like, oh, there's a little bit, like a couple cells here. I think we'll be okay. We'll keep an eye on it. No, you go back in you clean that part out. And I think that's an established thing to do in surgery. And it's not really an IR. It's kind of just quick, 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 get done. But I think the times where you do have to go back in, it's it's worth it. You know, you just don't have the recurrences. You're able to prove that you got what you came to get for and have that kind of A0 ablation, right? That get everything the first time kind of approach. Yeah. And you kind of talked about it. Like, so what's the time commitment? I mean, I, I get there's like a running up period when you're learning it or, you know, the reps kind of demonstrating it to, with your uh, techs. Mm. But like, what do you, like ballpark, what does it add to a straightforward ablation for you? Now, um, yeah, now that you've gotten proficient at it, if I'm not going back in, maybe three, four minutes, like okay. it's, it's really fast now. But, uh, if you have to go back in and reablate, then that's, you know, an extra 15 minutes, you know? So, well, yeah, but that's like, that's different. Yeah. That's different because then, I mean, right. you're, you're going back. I mean, I, I think that's what I was trying to draw. Like if, if it's a straightforward ablation where you're just trying to check and your margins are good, but like, you know, it's invaluable. And I don't think any interventional radiologist would fault you like, oh, if you left margin behind, I got to go in and ablate it. Like, yeah, of course yeah, you got to go back in and get it. Right. Yeah. And I think uh, what, what happened was my rep uh, went on maternity leave. So I had to really learn it like fast and it takes like, I don't know, maybe three cases of really committing to learn it. And it's, it's pretty easy. It's not anything different than any nuke software or dosimetry, you know, it's just ROIs, mm -hmm. defining things for a computer and putting images together. It's not that different from anything we, we're all trained to do. Yeah. And the new wave stuff seems pretty user-friendly in terms of uh, the interface, like in my experience. It's like big, yeah, big fat they, buttons that like my, my big dumb hands can like seem to manage to work around. I know we kind of touched on it, but I just want to make sure like ask the question specifically, what has been mm. the impact of like the ablation confirmation specifically on your practice and your patients? I think, um, I don't know, every case should be an A0 ablation, like really shouldn't do any ablation unless you're going to be able to get the whole thing when you're trying to do these curative type procedures or these pr procedures where you're trying to remove tumor versus palliation. So if your goal is to re to get it all the first time, you really have to get margins. In order to get margins, you have to look at them. And so for me, the av the availability of AC has allowed me to look at my margins and look at my treatment effect real time in the room while they're still asleep and to be able to provide a more complete treatment the first time so that you're not coming back. I mean, I don't think I had a really high recurrence rate before, but you know, 
there were obviously recurrences. If you follow someone 12 months, you know, 18 months, 24 months, those are the ones that you're really trying to prevent. Every ablation looks good at three months, sure. you know, but when you follow them long-term, that's when you're really going to pick them up. And I think that since I've started using this, my recurrence rate has been very low. I think even when I did, I've been able to say, hey, look, we got the margin there. We did everything we could to do this the best way we knew how to do it. And so it's given me more confidence in ablation. It's made me actually faster in the end because I've been able to adjust the way I do things because of the kind of experience I've gotten from looking at my zones and being like, oh, wow, that was an undercooking or that was that didn't need to go that high. So sure. it's made me better at doing the procedure, knowing what I know from that information. And then it's nice for practice building. I have to say, I take screenshots every time and I did, and I take a picture of it in 3D and I send them to my referring providers and I say, hey, case went great. Here's some pictures, got a nice margin. Thanks for the referral, I'll continue to follow. And I send that same email trail at three months and six months and nine months. And so for practice building, it's huge. They know that I'm doing the same things that they're doing if they're a surgeon in terms of ablation. And they know they, you know, it looks very similar to like a radonk picture where they're able to show those a tumor board and be like, oh, here's our dose plan. We're like, okay, well, here's my ablation in my, my margins. And it looks great. And it, it's sexy, you know, and uh, to be able to look at a lesion and see it and know that you got it. It's hard to ignore that when you show it to somebody. That's awesome. And so it's, it's powerful for practice building. That's good. All right, Josh, thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe, rate the podcast five stars, and share with a friend. If you have any questions or comments, direct message us at at underscore Backtable on Instagram, Twitter, or LinkedIn. Backtable is produced and hosted by myself, Aaron Fritz, and co-hosts Chris Beck, Sabine Don, Michael Barraza, and Ali Behetti. Our audio team lead is Karen Gannon with support from Caleb Hodson, Josh McWhorter, and Ness Smith-Savadoff. Design and digital marketing led by Brian Schmitz. Article and transcript support by Taylor Robinson. And Delaney Aguilar. Social media and PR by Anne Dang. Intro and extra music is Ripperoo by Skeptic Moon. Find us on Spotify or at local live music venues in New Orleans, Louisiana. Thanks again for listening and see you next week.